Welcome to the online sermons at King Street Church. Feel free to listen or watch online at kingstreetchurch.com. We're located at 162 East King Street in the heart of Chambersburg, PA, and would love to see you in person at one of our five Sunday services at 8.15, 9.45, or 11 a.m. We certainly hope you enjoy this morning's message. Amen. Church, I want you to join me, those of you here in the sanctuary over in the Baker Center. Join me in John chapter 10. John chapter 10. I want to read us this chapter, and I don't often do this, probably not nearly as much as I should, but I'm going to invite you, if you would today, to please rise. Whether you're in this room or in the other room or wherever you are, really, you could be listening to this in your home, in your living room. In honor of God's word, let's listen and stand Uh, as we follow along in John chapter 10. Truly, truly, I tell you, Pharisees, Jesus said, anyone who does not enter the sheep pen by the gate but climbs in some other way as a thief and a robber, the one who enters by the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. The gatekeeper opens the gate for him and the sheep listen to his voice. He calls his own sheep by name, leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, he goes on ahead of them, and his sheep follow him because they know his voice. But they will never follow a stranger. In fact, they will run away from him because they do not recognize a stranger's voice. Jesus used this metaphor, figure of speech, but the Pharisees did not understand what he was saying. Therefore, Jesus said again, truly, truly, listen, I tell you, I am the gate for the sheep. All who have come before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep have not listened to them. I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. They will come in, go out, find pasture. The thief comes only to steal, kill, destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The hired hand is not the shepherd. He does not own the sheep. So when he sees the wolf coming, he abandons the sheep, runs away. Then the wolf attacks the flock, scatters it. The man runs away because he's a hired hand, cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep, and my sheep know me. Just as the Father knows me, and I know the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. If I, or rather, I have other sheep that are not of this pen. I must bring them also. They too will listen to my voice, and there shall be one flock and one shepherd. The reason my Father loves me is that I lay down my life only to take it up again. No one takes it from me. I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down and authority to take it up again. This command I receive from my Father. Well, the Jews who heard these words were divided again. Many of them said, He's demon-possessed, raving mad. Why listen to him? But others said, these are not the sayings of a man possessed by a demon. Can a demon open the eyes of the blind? Then came the festival of dedication, Jerusalem, about three months later. It was winter, and Jesus was in the temple courts, walking in Solomon's colonnade. The Jews who were gathered around him saying, how long will you keep us in suspense? If you are the Messiah, Tell us plainly. Jesus said, I did tell you. You don't believe it. The works I do in my Father's name testify about me. You don't believe them. You're not my sheep. My sheep listen to my voice. I know them. They follow me. I give them eternal life. 
and they shall never perish. No one will snatch them out of my hand. My Father, who has given them to me, is greater than all. No one can snatch them out of my Father's hand, for I and the Father are one. Again, his Jewish opponents picked up stones to stone him. But Jesus said, I've shown you many good works from the Father. Which of these are you stoning me for? We're not stoning you for any good work, they replied, but for blasphemy because you, a mere man, claim to be God, Jesus said. Is it not written in your law, I have said you are gods, little g, gods? If he called them gods to whom the word of God came and scripture cannot be set aside, what about the one whom the Father has set apart as his very own and sent into the world? Why then do you accuse me of blasphemy? Because I said, I am God's son. Don't believe me unless I do the works of my Father. But if I do them, even though you do not believe me, believe the works that you may know and understand that the Father is in me and I am in the Father. Again, they tried to seize him, but he escaped their grasp. Then Jesus went back across the Jordan where John had been baptizing earlier in his ministry. There he stayed, and many people came to me. They said, though John never performed a sign, all that John said about this man was true. And in that place, many believed in Jesus. The word of the Lord. Please be seated. Amen. Thanks be to God. Well, I want to help explain this, try to open your eyes. I mean, we see how the Jews responded to much of this metaphor, this illustration that Jesus was giving, and they said, wait, what? They didn't get it. I want to, first of all, make the point that John chapters 9 and 10 are interconnected. Chapter 9 flows right into chapter 10 without a break. I know we have a number difference from 9 to 10, but when John wrote this gospel, he didn't put a 10 above chapter 10, verse 1. It, it literally flows one into the other seamlessly. It's the same conversation. And, and the conversation is happening as a result, as we saw last Sunday, John 9, of Jesus going out kind of into the temple courts and seeing a man I gave him the name Peniel. Actually, a series of historical fiction books gave him that name, which uh, it just helps me to think of this man born blind as a person and called him Peniel. And Jesus went out and found Peniel, who was born blind, begging, an outcast, overlooked, and needing in need of life and healing. And Jesus finds him, sees him, and, and calls him. He says, Peniel. I see you, go wash in the pool of Siloam and, and, and you'll be healed. And so Peniel, amidst all of the voices that are all around him, all of the teachers of the law and those that overlook him, really people that could care less about him, Peniel tunes into the voice of Jesus. And he listens and he obeys and he goes and he's healed and he finds life and then he stands up to the, to the blind guides, the Pharisees that basically are now accusing him. Who are you? You're a sinner. You were born a sinner from birth. You're nobody. You're nothing. You're worthless. That's what the blind guides are telling the blind man, isn't it? It's their message. But Jesus spoke into them. 
And we see really the story in chapter 9 of a lost sheep and really where Jesus goes then in chapter 10 on the heels of all of that is to then condemn the deadly shepherds. See, you had authority over this man religiously, spiritually. You're the priests. You're the teachers of the law. You're the ones who should be pointing him to help, hope, healing, health, all of the good, abundant life that is his because God loves him. And that's not what you're doing. You're calling him a sinner. You're blaming it on him. You are deadly shepherds. This lost sheep has no hope in your care. None. He's doomed. And you talk about messages that have been ingrained in his heart. Jesus comes and he speaks life. So chapter 10 is all really about Jesus addressing these deadly shepherds. And I want to use this picture. I'm a very visual person and I, I found this picture out there and I want to use it as a teaching guide. Because what we see are several hundred sheep in two different sections, and then obviously what? A gate and a shepherd. And you've got the sheep that are beginning, you can tell they're moving this way. They're out in what I would call, what this chapter calls, the sheep pen, chapter 10, verse 1. Truly I tell you, Pharisees, anyone who does not enter the sheep pen by the gate but climbs in another way is a thief and a robber. Let me tell you who he's talking about there. He's talking about the Pharisees. They are going into the sheep pen, not through the gate, but over the walls, and they're influencing the sheep. They're speaking falsehood to the sheep that are in the sheep pen. Okay? Peniel was out here. He's one of these sheep. Think of Peniel out in the sheep pen. That little sheep right there is Peniel. And, the, and the, the robbers, the thieves, didn't go through the gate. They went over the wall and they went up to Peniel and they started condemning him. Okay, that's what's going on. And then Jesus also describes uh, a gate in this chapter. And then he, he talks about um, this, this pasture out here. He calls it a safe place. Look at verse 9. He says, I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. There's salvation out here in the pasture. They will come in and go out and find pasture. Look down at verse 28. He says, um, my sheep listen to my voice. I know them. They follow me. I give them what's out there in the pasture, eternal life, and they shall never perish. No one will snatch them out of my hand. So those that go through the gate out of the sheep pen into this pasture find life, security, safety, eternal life. In a way, this is, this is really what Jesus is giving them is the upper story, okay? He's giving, this is the upper story right here, if you will. This is the eternal plan of God. And all the people that are out in the sheep pen are essentially in the world. Kind of like Peniel was when he was out there in the, in the, uh, in the temple, temple courts. He was lost. He was in the world. He didn't have hope. That's where the sheep pen is. And then he's talking ultimately about those in Christ 
who come through Christ into this pasture, into this safe place. So think in the world, lost, and then think glory, heaven, God's in Christ, those who are in the family of God. So as John then unfolds, John 10, we really see four very clear sections of this chapter. First of all, we see Jesus addressing in verses 1 through 10 the gate and the bad shepherds. The the gate and the bad shepherds. Well, the gate is obvious, right? Look at verse 7. Therefore, Jesus said again, very truly, I tell you, I am the gate for the sheep. I am the gate. Okay? And then he, he talks in this first section about these bad shepherds, right? The Pharisees, the teachers of the law, the robbers, the thieves who don't go through Christ. Their their message is not one of, of understanding who the Messiah is, who came to save. No, they're getting in another way and they have another message. Oh no, you've got to get You've got to get into the, 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 the pasture, I guess. See, it's not like they even want them to be in the pasture, the safe place. They basically just want them to do what they want them to do. They want control. And so he's talking here about the gate and the bad shepherds. Turn with me real quick back to Ezekiel 34 because it's really, if you want to see the full picture of John 10, you have to understand Ezekiel 34. Okay, this really sheds light on what's, what's happening here. And by the way, as you turn there, I want to say something that, that's really interesting. I, I read about a seminary class who undertook the question of what truth is emphasized most in the New Testament. If you were to look at all of the New Testament... I ask you, what do you think? What truth is emphasized more than any other truth, verse by verse, by content in the New Testament? And this is at least the work of a seminary class. You'd think the love of God or heaven or the ministry of Christ or the cross. Here's the number one truth emphasized most in the New Testament. You ready? Warnings against false teachers. It's the number one truth in the New Testament. Be careful. There's a lot of voices out there. And there are many, many, many false teachers. Be careful. Don't listen to their voice. It's exactly what God, through Ezekiel in, say, the 500s, I believe, was when chapter 34 would have been written, six, five to 600 years before Christ. And he's talking here about the nation of Israel and the priests And God is condemning the priests, right? The the robbers, the thieves, those preaching a message that doesn't lead to life. It says, the word of the Lord came to me, son of man, Ezekiel, prophesy against the shepherds of Israel. Prophesy and say, this is what the Lord says. Woe to you, shepherds of Israel, who only take care of yourselves. Now, I want you to read this in light of what Jesus is saying to the Pharisees. It's one and the same. It's the same message. Should not shepherds take care of the flock? You eat the curds, clothe yourselves with wool, slaughter the choice animals. You don't care, take care of the flock. 
You've not strengthened the weak or healed the sick or bound up the injured. There sits Peniel right under your nose and you spit on him and treat him like he's dirt. And you're a shepherd. (laughs) Woe to you, shepherds of the sheep. You haven't brought back the strays or searched for the lost. You have, you've ruled them harshly and brutally. So what happens? They scatter. There's no shepherd. And when they're scattered, they become food for all the wild animals. They're, they're hopeless in that way, vulnerable. My sheep wandered all over the mountains on every high hill, scattered over the whole earth. Nobody searched or looked for them. Therefore, you shepherds, hear the word of the Lord. As surely as I live, declares the sovereign Lord, because my flock lacks a shepherd, so has been plundered and become food for all the wild animals. And because my shepherds didn't search for my sheep, but cared for themselves rather than my flock, therefore, you shepherds, hear the word of the Lord. This is what God says. I'm against the shepherds. I'm going to hold them accountable for my flock. I will remove them from tending the flock so that the shepherds can no longer feed themselves. I, God says, listen to this, I will rescue my sheep. Woo! Welcome to Jesus. That's the new, that's, that's, that's the good news. Because his shepherds weren't doing a good job. They were doing a horrible job. I will rescue my flock from their mouths. It will no longer be food for them. For this is what the sovereign Lord says. I myself will search for my sheep and look after them. Peniel! Peniel! Listen to me. Go wash in the pool. You'll be healed. Peniel had a choice, right? He could either listen to the voices of all of the other bad shepherds. Now you're worthless. Just sit there. You're nothing. You're dirt. Or he could listen to that voice of Jesus. He didn't even see him. He just heard him. He got up and he washed. And then when he saw Jesus, he bowed at his feet and worshiped him. As a shepherd looks after his scattered flock when he is with them, so I will look after my sheep. I will rescue them from all the places they were scattered. Don't you see that's exactly what's happening here in John chapters 9 and 10? We have bad shepherds and we have the good shepherd. But it's interesting. Jesus, Jesus is the gate And he's also the good shepherd. But, oh, this is where the metaphor just goes crazy in my mind. It's awesome. Because not only did did Jesus, the good shepherd, like speak over them. Come, I'm over here. This This is the pasture over here. Is that what Jesus did? No, what did Jesus do? He became a, somebody, a sheep. Rather a, go further, younger, smaller, tinier. Behold the what? The Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. You see, Jesus came into this earth and walked in amongst the sheep in the sheep pen as one of them, one of us. He said, I'm a good shepherd. I'm I'm a lamb. Follow me. Follow me. Follow me into the, 
into the pasture. I will show you life. He became one of us. He is the good shepherd, and his ultimate proof is that he laid down his life. Verse 14, I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep. My sheep knows me just as the father knows me. Verse 15, and I know the father. I lay down my life for the sheep. Verse 17, the reason my father loves me is that I lay down my life only to take it up again. No one takes it from me. I lay it down of my own accord and I have the authority not only to lay it down, but to take it up again. I'm going to ask you, how many of us have the authority once we're dead to raise ourselves? Anyone? Anyone? No. Right? You want to know the proof that he is the good shepherd? The proof is the resurrection. It's exactly the point Paul makes throughout the entire chapter of 1 Corinthians 15. This is the message, Paul writes, that I have, that I deliver to you, that Jesus Christ was crucified, he was buried, he rose again on the third day, he walked, he was seen by Cephas and John and the 12 and 500 other people, and last of all, he was, I saw him. Paul then says, this is what we preach and this is what you believe. That's the good news. That's the truth. That's the bottom line. That is the proof that he is the good shepherd. Thirdly, verses 22 to 30, the distinguishing mark of true sheep. What is the distinguishing mark of every one of these sheep that have found their way into the pasture? I'll tell you, the distinguishing mark of true sheep is that they listened to the voice of the Lamb of God, the Good Shepherd. You do not believe, Jesus said in verses 26 and 27, because you're not my sheep. My sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. I love this story of a man that visited the Holy Land back in 1906, a guy named C.T. Wilson, and he wrote a book about it, and he talks about how he was in a place called Gilead, north of Jerusalem, and in Gilead, he was observing the shepherds that were out there. This over 100 years ago, and he wrote this in his book. He said, uh, I was staying the night in some shepherd's tents in Gilead. The tents to the number of 10 or 12 were pitched in a wide circle enclosing a considerable area, the sheep pen. In, in the evening, some six or seven flocks were brought within the camp for protection. In the morning, when the time came for the shepherds to take their sheep, their charges, out to pasture, instead of attempting to separate the respective flocks from the crowd of goats and sheep scattered promiscuously over the enclosed space, how do you think they did it? Each man went a little beyond the ring of tents. So each shepherd who was over their particular flock went outside the ring of tents and standing there uttered his special call. Maybe, okay, I don't know. Instantly, it was just kind of to get into it. Instantly, the whole mass of sheep. So now you have seven or eight shepherds, each one with their own distinctive call. Instantly, the whole mass of sheep and goats was in motion. 
And the shepherd continued to call. The several flocks separated themselves, each streaming out of the camp in the direction of their respective guides, shepherds. And in five minutes, not a goat or sheep remained inside. Looking again shortly afterwards, the various flocks could be seen diverging to all points of the compass, each following his own shepherd. Wow, what is the distinguishing mark of a true sheep? It is they listen to the voice of Jesus. Church, we've got to be listening to Jesus' voice. Oh my goodness, how many voices do we hear bombarding us every day? Oh, yeah. Oh, we've got to tune into the voice of Jesus. And then the fourth point where Jesus ends up in this sermon Verses 31 to 42, believe or don't believe. And it's really, it really comes down to that. He said, we're not stoning you, verse 33, for any good work, but for blasphemy, because you, a mere man, claim to be God. And it's interesting, because they earlier, they said, tell us plainly, we don't, you haven't been very clear with us. You haven't really been, are you, yes, I am the son of God. And then they pick up rocks to kill him. You claim to be God. Jesus said, don't believe me unless I do the works of my Father. But if I do them, even though you don't believe my words, believe what I do, that you may know and understand that the Father is in me and I am in the Father. Church, this is the message of the gospel. It's, it's all about Jesus. We have no hope other than Jesus. No hope. We must decide, I've used this quote several times, C.S. Lewis, who was an atheist earlier in his life, wrote the Chronicles of Narnia, he wrote a book called Mere Christianity, and he just drew the line. He said, you must make your choice. Either this man, Jesus, was and is the son of God or else a madman or something worse. You can shut him up for a fool. You can spit at him and kill him. You can fall at his feet and call him Lord, but let us not come with any patronizing nonsense about his being a great teacher. Now, he has not left that open to us. He did not intend to. Either we worship Jesus as our Lord and Savior and listen to his voice or we go our own way and listen to the voices of everyone around us. This is why John wrote his whole gospel. Jesus did a lot of other things which are not recorded in this book, but what you have here, John 9, John 10, are written that you might believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing you might experience life in his name. Wow. And I got to tell you too, in these days that we live in, talking about gates and entry points, <laughs> is this in the news at all? In the lower story, you know, right? In the lower story? And I got to thinking, oh my goodness. We live out in the lower story so much and get so wrapped up into the lower story. I'm gonna tell you right now, America is not paradise. It's a good place. I love living here. Thank you, Lord. But I'm gonna tell you right now, that's, the lo that's lower story stuff. 
Jesus is talking about the upper story. And he is the good shepherd who says, follow me and I will give you eternal life. Don't think about getting through walls and gates on this earth. I'm not making light of that. I'm just saying that's what's playing out in our world of current events. That's the lower story. And Jesus is talking on the upper story. He says, if you really want to know eternal life, if you really want to know safety and healing and security and provision and glory and blessing, then come through me up into my pasture. Follow me. That's our message. That's our message. That's what Jesus is saying to us. I'm going to ask you to pray with me. Lord Jesus, you are our good shepherd. The Lord is our shepherd. We shall not want. Lord, you make us lie down in green pastures. You lead us beside still waters. You restore our soul. And even, Lord God, when we walk through the valley of the shadow of death, which some even under my voice right now is happening to them. Maybe a relative died. Maybe there's people in your lives that are just going so far astray, struggles. Lord, even when we walk through the valley of the shadow of death, we fear no evil because you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they protect me. You prepare a table before me, even in the presence of my enemies. Lord Jesus, surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. And you right now, every eye closed, every head bowed, you, Jesus, are kneeling down to us just like you did to Peniel. And you're saying, listen to me. Listen to me. Stop listening to all those other voices. Stop getting so wound up. Stop it. Go wash in the pool of Siloam. Go wash. Follow me and you'll see. You'll be saved. I am the way. I am the truth. I am the Nobody comes to the Father except through me. We hope you enjoyed this morning's message. If you have any comments or questions, Church, feel free to contact stand. us using our online form on our website at kingstreetchurch.com or by calling us here at 717-264-4651 during our regular business hours. Be sure to stop by and see us in person at one of our five Sunday morning services, 8.15 a.m., 2 at 9.45 a.m., as well as 2 at 11 a.m. We look forward to seeing you there.